You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hi, welcome to Nick Luck Daily. It is Friday the 2nd of September. Tom Stanley in for Nick once again and we are focusing largely on Irish Champions Weekend coming up next weekend. Just painting that picture, or at least filling in some of those those gaps for you with news that, that broke yesterday. We will do that shortly, that is Jay Mangan and I, but um, first of all, David Menwissier is along with me. Um, I'll read you the tweet that, um, that David put out yesterday, if no one's seen it. He said, as we all know, British racing is going great. Winter reprise eliminated from the 520 at Doncaster next Wednesday because vaccinations not in order when his vaccinations were fine. Just a technical glitch. Can't be reinstated. I'm furious. Uh, so, David, uh, just just tell us exactly what you understand led to this and, and why so outraged. Well, the real frustration is, uh, look, we've revaccinated the whole yard uh, last week. And uh, I was away. My main vet was away. But anyway, we revaccinated the whole uh, the whole yard, and all the passports were uh, were stamped and signed and what have you. And uh, so the day before yesterday, we decided to update the the vaccination of the whole yard on the um, on the the Weatherbees app, the vaccination app that we have to do now and. Uh, so the deputy vet was meant to was meant to validate all the all the vaccinations, but he only got the email yesterday afternoon at four p.m. to validate those uh, those uh, vaccinations. And I entered the house yesterday morning, so before twelve o'clock, and as the the vaccination wasn't validated by twelve. Uh, the horse has been eliminated from the race. So, but, so just to confirm, so it's not, um, it, it's still, it's still human error, if you like. It's not a sort of technical complication. It's, it's, it's that the, 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 their end, they haven't updated it in time for her vaccinations to be, to be validated. Yeah, I mean, look, um, I don't know whose who's mistake is it. Uh, all I know is after I've done nothing, nothing wrong. I've, uh, the horse was vaccinated, uh, the passport was updated, the vaccination app was uh, was updated, and uh, uh, all of a sudden the horse is eliminated. As soon as I got the email from Weatherbeast to say that the horse was eliminated. Uh, I rang the vet to double check whether he validated the thing, and it was done within a minute. The mm. horse is not carrying any disease; is absolutely fine. Everything is absolutely fine. I can't believe that they can't relax a rule when this horse is going to be eliminated. There's only 15 entries in the race. I mean, I don't think that. Uh, uh, I don't feel myself as being above everybody else or what have you, but this is just common sense. When you realize that, you know, there's no, there's no threat to anybody uh, doing what we did, it's just very frustrating that that they can't give uh, the, the slightest leeway 
to make sure that Vistos can compete at one of the main meetings of the year mm. in a 50 grand handicap when there's only 15 entries. When you say relax the rules, what you mean is, is um, you know, update the system now so that, so that she can take up that engagement on Wednesday, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, apparently, yeah, I mean, it, the thing is I can re-enter the house today for next, uh, what's today, today, for uh, Friday, so for next uh, Thursday and the house can run. Mm. Because it was all done uh, yesterday afternoon, obviously after 12 o'clock and the rule of racing uh, by the BHA and whatever is will tell you that it's in the rule of racing that the 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 the, the vaccination have to be validated by the vet before 12 o'clock on um, on the day of the entry, which I didn't know. Personally, I, uh, I, I didn't know, but. Anyway, perhaps, uh, perhaps I'm, I'm just being daft, but I just feel uh, quite furious because uh, because I don't find it when uh, when some something has been it wasn't even corrected. It it was just the vet that pressed the right button at the right time, basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> to validate a vaccination that is absolutely absolutely in order, you know. And untimely. So it's not like the horse has run out of. Uh, uh, it's not that the vaccinations of the the, the horse are, have run out. And so he's a he's a threat to the horse population. Um, in the meantime, they can change the rules of racing yesterday for a jockey change at the racing league, which I find is is brilliant. You know. Because uh, it shows you that some people are not uh, <laughs> are not setting stones. Mm. Um, Look, it's just frustrating. So we'll live, you know, we'll carry on. But I think that if you, you know, I think it's an easy fix. It's an easy fix to to just uh, let this horse run because it was a technical uh, problem rather than, than a health problem or what have you. It's not a welfare issue, is it? It's just a technical problem from a vet not clicking, a, not, not clicking, a, uh, not ticking a box at the right time, basically. David, I appreciate your time and the explanation, and um, good luck when the horse does run. Be interested to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Cheers, Cheers. David. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, well, Jay Mangan was was listening along to that, so you can you can pick up straight away with that. We will discuss the the jockey change with the the, the racing league as well, which David, um, as I think we agree, Jane is is very much a, a positive. They did that. What, what's your take on what David's had to say there, and and the inflexibilities he put it of the the BHA not allowing the horse to run? Yeah, there's a lot to digest there, and somebody who isn't um, particularly familiar with the procedures for inputting data into the app, updating your vaccinations, times for declarations and entries and all that. It sounds a little bit heavy, but ultimately they haven't been flexible. The yard have done everything they were supposed to do. They've put in the data that they've had and then VHA have taken the entry and then realized that it's after a certain period of time and they're not being flexible about it because it's, it's in their system as a piece of technology and, they're not going to use their common sense to acknowledge that everything is in order. There is no actual reason this horse can't run bar the fact that it was a little bit of a a technicality. Now, somebody listening might be thinking, okay, well, if that's the rule, it's black and white, you shouldn't move it for somebody and not for another person. But ultimately, I think this is actually just a lack of common sense, a lack of somebody 
in the VHA taking responsibility, putting their hand up and saying, we can actually, um, there is no reason why this horse can't, cannot run. And somebody just putting up their hand and using their initiative. So sometimes that does frustrate me as well. And, and we're not immune to that over here. Somebody just taking the initiative, putting their hand up and saying, we can actually uh, make this happen. And unfortunately, they, it seems that they're going to sit on their hands and, and, and not do anything about it. So I, I, I suppose... Know- Jane, what, what the, the, from the BHA point of view, they they may well suggest. Well, where do you draw the line? If we if we allow for this um, moving of goalposts, then are we opening up a can of worms for any other issues? Well, ultimately, the horse has been vaccinated, and there is no reason why he shouldn't run. So maybe the rule should be at declaration time and not entry time. Hmm. I like that. You made me sit up in my chair. Jay. No, it's just, it's just it's yeah. just thinking of a better solution because it is again ultimately the owner suffers and the owner is the whole keeping us the whole circle running and the whole circus on the road. So, um, I, I, if I know from the, the the app is a relatively new piece of technology and every racing uh, jurisdiction has its own system, but if a horse is uh, is properly vaccinated the declaration period is obviously a lot closer to a race. It would give people a little, little bit more leeway, a little bit more room. Um, and I don't look, maybe there's a veterinary reason why you can't. And maybe there's another reason why you can't, but it would seem to me that would be a logical fix. And having seen David's tweet yesterday evening and seeing the reaction from some of the trainers who commented underneath it, this isn't the first time this technicality has happened. So I wonder, is there something we can do to improve it and make sure it doesn't happen again? And David touched upon the, the Ray Guest horse um, where the, uh, the the racing league were effectively allowed to, to, to change their rules and move their goalposts to allow the horse to, to have a rider from another team, which was certainly common sense prevailing, wasn't it? Surely, yeah. Um, I, I read that initially that the horse wasn't going to be allowed to run um, that, you know, there's a squad of riders, the racing league is a team and you couldn't really pick, say, from the roster outside of the team. But that is a case where common sense has prevailed. Ultimately, the product is horse racing. I get it that it's a, a unique initiative, but it would have been wrong to not let the horse run because of that. So I think that is a primary case where they should be applauded and given credit for just opening the scope a little bit and, and allowing the horse to run because it would have been a great shame if that was the reason a competitor couldn't take part. Now, Jane and I have been busy, haven't we, Jane? We've been, we've been digging. We've been trying to, to um, fill in some of the gaps with Irish Champions Weekend and, and the picture that it is currently. Um, news breaking yesterday that Mishriff will indeed line up in the Royal Bahrain Irish Champion Stakes. So too... Um, Le Petit Coco likely to run there as well. So we're filling out a bit. You put out a tweet yesterday, Jane, um, that suggested it, it might be a, a pretty sparse affair. And um, one thing we do know is that Native Trail won't be going there because a, a brief conversation with Charlie Appa yesterday, Jane, he told me he is almost certain to send nothing to Irish Champions Weekend, which is a, an impact on the feature race and also the feature juvenile race. Yeah, and that's super disappointing. Just from the perspective of the national stakes alone, over the last couple of years, he sent Cuarto. He spent, sent that brilliant performance from Pinatubo on Native Trail last year. We were hoping that he might send maybe Native Trail or Caribus to the big one this year to the Irish champion. But no Godolphin Blue at the Irish champion stakes. That is a, 
that is a disappointment, I would have to say. Now, Caribus, uh, we'll mention him a little bit later on because he's been declared to run in the Prix de Moulin at Longchamp on Sunday. But with reference to the Irish Champion Stakes itself, it looks like we're going to have at least five or six runners. We have the two confer- confirmations from France with Vedeni and Onesto travelling over. We've got Aidan O'Brien's Luxembourg. Paddy Toomey putting La Petite Coco into the mix is always intriguing. Mishrif coming over and possibly Boundless Ocean as well after winning the Desmond Stakes last time. So that gives the Irish Champion Stakes a little bit of a clearer picture. Possibly could have Alan Kerr there if we get a little bit of rain. That would be uh, a good addition from William Haggis's yard as well. I, I believe I believe bit. that is sorry, Joe. I believe that is the plan. Just to echo that, um, that that um, and there is rain uh, forecast, which we're going to come to. But I think Alan Kerr from the Haggis team, um, one of four entries he has in the race, is the is the likely one or the intended runner there, having already won over in Ireland earlier on this season. Yes, and uh, and won. Uh, at 10 furlongs as well so that's uh, the Tadastal Gold Cup that seems like a year ago it's been it's been quite the season we've had you mentioned rain that's what Dermot Weld and Moigler said are going to be praying for if Homeless Songs is going to take up her engagement in the matron stakes we haven't of course seen her since that brilliant performance in the Irish 1000 guineas she missed the coronation at Royal Ascot and hasn't been seen since the Irish Classic but there is 25 mils of rain forecast around the Dublin area so that's where Leopardstown is uh, hopefully that materializes um but hopefully it'll you know clear away when we all gather at the track but if homeless songs doesn't go or indeed if she does go she's going to have to be brilliant to beat saffron beach if saffron beach comes jane chapelheim has every reason to think that she'll go off favorite tenebrism sacred prosperous voyage purple paid the matron stakes could be very much dominated by british entries but uh yeah that's uh the Phillies smile at uh, leopardstown hopefully we'll get to see the irish philly take on the best of the british and I, a quick conversation with Dermot Weld this morning. He he said that he's happy to appear on the podcast next week when he, he knows the lay of the land a, a little bit more with regards to the rain. But he can report the filly is well and the intention with rain is very much to run. But it, it, it is, of course, dependent on that rain coming or not. Uh, you mentioned um, international challengers. Who's the great Irish hope for Irish Champions Weekend, Jane? Who's the who's the standout? Yeah, well, that's probably in the two-year-old division. You know, I when I read Richard Fursell's piece last week in State of Rest, retired, the highest rated horse in Ireland right now in training is Little Big Bear, and he's possibly out for the rest of the season. So I could should I even say he's in training? Um, our biggest hope for the weekend is probably two-year-old. I don't know what's going to the confirmations for the national stakes yet, but you have possibly Blackbeard going up to seven furlongs. He's obviously after winning the morning of August Rodan and Aesop Fables from Aidan O'Brien's yard. Proud and Regal is a good horse for uh, Dunnock O'Brien, Shartash possibly as well in the Aga Khan silks for Johnny Murta. What a story that would be. Um, but for me, I think Meditate is a star. She's been four from four this season for Aidan O'Brien, winning uh, obviously the Albany at Ascot and right through to the, to the debutante. Meditate is a bomb-proof filly. She's got to be good to beat the likes of maybe Tahira, who's a sister to Tanarwa. We saw win at Galway for Dermot Weld in the Aga Khan. Easy now with Paddy Toomey having won a maiden impressively for the Slatteries uh, and throwing Aspen Grove for Fozzie Stack as well. But I think Meditate is a star and I think she might prove that in the Moigler. Well, there were some smart two-year-olds knocking around yesterday. One of them was Eximius, who was a winner for Highcliffe Thoroughbreds at at Salisbury, um, looking particularly smart, and in doing so, picked up a £20,000 
book one bonus because that is where Eximius was purchased. Uh, another uh, book one bonus was one on uh, Monday at Windsor by Kennet Valley Thoroughbreds and um, Sam Hoskins of Kennet Valley joins me now. We can look back at that, Sam, and, and talk about you know why why an extra £20,000 is is well worth it if you can get it, particularly if you haven't paid too much. Chartwell House, first of all, and um, potentially a nice horse. Yeah, he is, Tom. Yeah, he was, um, he, he'd run a nice third on his debut to Alcabar, who was um, placed in the Richmond afterwards, and then he ran second um, uh, to another nice horse of Clive Cox, and the seventh at Glorious Goodwood, and what's looking a very, very hot maiden. So, um, yeah, he's a very nice horse in his own right, and but it was something that we had a debate at the time whether to go to Goodwood and go for that very valuable novice, which had, to be fair, had the bonus still attached or, or go smaller. And we said, well, we'll go to Goodwood. If we can break it in there, then that's the dream. And if we can't, we'll go somewhere. Um, we'll go for try and find the weakest possible class four. And um, yeah, I, mean, I think the race there was a reasonable race, but it, but it sort of they made it probably that tracker probably lack a little bit more depth than other ones. So it was nice to go there. I'm not sure he really handled the track perfectly, but. Um, it was a good experiment for the future. We learned plenty, and, and crucially, he won that bonus, which they're eligible for class four and above maidens and novices. So um, that did the job to, to get the twenty grand bonus, and, and the syndicate members won twenty five grand, which was brilliant. So, I mean, excuse my ignorance. I wouldn't necessarily associate Kennet Valley with doing a lot of of shopping at Book One because of you know what horses there can can often cost. But is it something you do a lot? Yeah, no, quite rightly so. I and mean, we go around there, and I have to say, I feel a little bit, also a bit self-conscious. I feel a bit poor and whatever. You feel a bit stupid pulling certain horses out, which you think, well, and they go and make, you go and follow them into the ring, and they make 300 grand. Well, uh, that, that's the way it is. But, but the whole point of it, and they can see why they did it, because the thing is that that said, with all due respect, there's a lot of people that have got 200 grand plus to spend, but there weren't too many people like us who've got, 50 grand spent and that means uh, 50 60 grand spent and so you're sort of um if, if things don't if things do fall through the net and, and out of i don't know what their catalog size is yet but it's usually around 500 if, if they're they can't all make that money and, and naturally there's a certain number of horses in there which are which are for us and um we've been lucky to win two now with uh persian moon and um and charwell house and we and we were Another year, we we had a horse that was just about to run, and from Street Lightning, who probably might have been capable of winning one. So we, it's something we're really conscious about, and it is a funny old sale um, in that we're very much absolutely bottom of the pond. But it's quite fun because there are sort of there's not a huge number sort of doing that, and um, yeah, it's it suits as well. And having that extra twenty grand on top is 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 a really nice sort of bit, and it's 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 very it's a very obvious thing. To, it's class fours and above, maintenance novices. Throughout the two-year-old season, I believe until at the end of the season, the end of the turf season, I think it is, and um, and, and that's good. You sort of you know your objective. I mean, obviously you can you've got to find the right kind of horse that's capable of winning a maiden at two. Um, but it's a bit of a game, and we've it suited as well. Um, and, and and thankfully, this time it's paid off. And yeah, I know that they're approaching. Um, 300 book one bonuses given out in total. I think you were the 291st, and there have been three more already since Monday. Um, Persian Moon cost you 40, and Chartwell House 65, I think. So you, you spent just over 100 grand on both, um, and you got 40 grand back already for winning a couple. So I, I see what you're saying. If you can, if you can execute the plan well, get get the right horse for a decent amount, you can already be thinking, well, you know, we can go some way with with one race win to making that money back. 
Well, exactly. It's a good it's a good sales angle for us, and we're always running a syndicate. You're always trying to sell a dream about. I mean, obviously, the real dream is trying to win at Royal Ascot or win the Derby or whatever. Um, but that, but something like this is good, and actually, I think some people think perhaps it's a more realistic sort of target as sort of they have all these big sales races, other sales which are great. And they are really interesting, and we do like them. And that's kind of how Kennet Valley originally was founded back in the late '80s, trying to target the, the old Cartier Million sales races. Um, so, so that's so Kennet Valley has a history of that kind of of, of being very cute to those those um, um, gimmicks. So, um, but this this I think everyone thinks well, actually, it's, that's realistic, and you you buy into a horse that's sort of. At, um, at sort of our kind of level, you think, well, you've got a chance of winning a, a class four and above novice at two, and obviously you've got to be a well above average horse to do it, but that's okay, because we're, thankfully we're lucky enough, we've got a few above average horses, and um, anyway, that's great for this horse, and now suddenly, pressure's off, and I mean, I don't know what the plan is now with him, but we're probably going to probably put him away almost, or we might, might have one run and a not in a nursery, put him away, and he's a lovely horse next season, so it'll work quite well. Well, the book one sale is, we're approaching, it's about a month away, the 4th to the 6th of October. Sam, as you can hear, will be there, and, and anyone else who is, just don't outbid him, please. <laughs> we'll be outbid a lot. <laughs> that will be the problem. But uh, we'll look forward, we'll be at the bottom of the pond somewhere. Uh, Sam, top man, thanks ever so much. Thanks, Tom. Staying with the Tattersalls theme then, we know that alcohol-free is to be offered there in, in December at the Mayor's Sale. Um and, and for confirmation, I spoke to JF Smith um, yesterday that she is, is, it's not as if she's not going to run again. She's very much intended to go to uh, Kipco British Champions Day, either in the sprint or the mile, depending on what else lines up and, and weather, etc. So great, we will likely see her on the race course again, but um, she'll be the showstopper, won't she? She will, and she's the first of, hopefully there'll be a few stars added to that Scepter session um, on November 29th. The De- December Mayor Sale always attracts a couple of stars but she'll be hard to surpass now alcohol free has been a good story for more than just one set of connections when she was bought uh, for forty thousand euros as a fall from goffs who would have thought she'd go on to win the chiefly park she won the sussex she won the coronation and probably her most impressive performance of her career to date is that blistering uh, display in the july cup but lest we forget last year her mother plying went through the goff sales ring in november uh, for €825,000, and she was bought by Yulong Investments after, three years earlier, being purchased by Town Farm for €21,000. So that's already a good story from the alcohol-free camp, and you'd have to think if her mother made €825,000, alcohol-free will be pushing a little bit higher. Now, the first Industry Wellbeing Conference will be held on the, the 19th of September, will be online, and the keynote speaker, I think the person opening the conference is Michael Caulfield, um, who, who now has a, an interest and, and, and knowledge of a, a vast array of sports, um, of course, not just horse racing. Michael joins me now. But Michael, um, why, why is this in, important to you? Uh, I think it's important because racing has been part of me since I was 18, which is a long time ago when I first joined as a wannabe something joining a, a junk yard in Lamborn, just outside Lamborn, in, in 1980. So for the past 42, 43 years, it's been a huge part of my life. And on behalf of Racing Welfare, it's nice to give something back and just try and give an overview of, of a topic that has developed so much in, 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 the, in the, those four decades since I, I joined the sport. Where, from your work in, in other sports, Michael, where is 
where is racing, if you like, on the... Is it is it lagging behind with regards to to um, industry well being? Is it are there some aspects of it that, that are perhaps at the, at the forefront? Where where do you see its position? I think racing does what racing always does is it gives itself a really hard time and thinks it's not as good as as others or it compares itself to others. And if I can get in an opening line comparison, is the thief of joy because if you can compare yourself to maybe some other industries. Some, other companies with massive resources, massive budgets, and you think we're not doing enough. My personal view, having, as I say, been around this sport for a long time now, and I live in Lambourne in the high street, so I'm close to a racing community, is from the resources that racing has, uh, I think it really cares and looks after its own really well. But of course, what you can do, which you all can do, is focus on what you don't have. But I think racing tends to look after its own and the various charities of which Racing Welfare is obviously one of the leading charities is doing enormous, uh, enormous strides to look after its workforce. And do you, again, as you say, you, you, you live in Lambourne, you see the goings on there day in, day out. Do you think racing, there's something about um, horse racing, the nature of... Um, you know, uh, early mornings, long days. I'm talking about staff here. I know, or for or for, for for riders. You know, you perhaps not being able to eat everything you want to. That that unfortunately can lend itself to um, to a, a lack of well being. Or again, am I you know am I overplaying that? Do you think? I don't think you're overplaying it. I think if if you're uh, a jockey, well then we will. And gosh, I've been involved with those for forty years and. and and, and about to stand down as a, after 10 years working with the jockeys fund. So I know the demands jockeys face because obviously diet and weight and fitness is, is crucial. With regards to the workforce, uh, it is a really demanding hard job because you can't ride out four lots on Zoom. Uh, you can't take a horse from Lambourne to Newcastle uh, whilst doing a little Zoom call uh, about, about something else. It's a physically demanding job because you're dealing with, with livestock, with thoroughbreds, and in Lambourne this morning I left the village shortly after six o'clock, the village is in full swing because everyone's at work uh, in full swing. Uh, that wouldn't happen in other walks of life. And if, when it isn't such a nice day, in a lovely sort of late summer, early autumn day, in the middle of January, that's a tough life. I also think it lends itself to well-being because if I look back to when I joined, which is, I accept, a different era, but some things haven't changed in that you have to get up in the morning, you have to get dressed, you have to turn up, you have to get outside, and, you, and it ticks all the boxes in terms of looking after yourself in, in many ways. The downside to it is it's long hours, it's demanding hours, uh, it's sometimes quite stressful because you've got a thoroughbred involved and if you've got a really valuable horse or even not a valuable horse and it needs care and attention and the trainer or the staff think you could do more to help it and you're not quite paying attention because you're texting your phone when you're riding out and it whips around, you might get shouted at. So there are all sorts of, 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 of different ingredients but in the main I think it's a remarkably good way of life for a young person to start off their, their professional career. They may not stay in it forever because like I, I left at 25 uh, because I wanted to try my hand at other things. But it is really one of life's best apprenticeships and it's got so much going for it. But it is not easy because it's long demanding and often it can make you feel pretty fatigued with life. So the the conference, um, 19th of September 2022, 9.30 to 5pm, head to Racing Welfare. You can book tickets online there and and hear hear Michael opening up as the, the keynote speaker for that. Michael, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. 
just before we come on to this weekend's racing, Jane, you know what just occurred to me as I'm, I'm scrolling through the racing post here with a, another um, lead headline about the Irish champion stakes. Joseph O'Brien says Luxembourg is uh, the one in another great Irish champion stakes. You know what else it is next weekend? It's the ledger. Yeah. Do you, do you remember that? Do you remember that race? The, the, yeah. The, 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 yeah. The, the fifth classic. Do you remember that one? Are we resigned to the fact that Godolphin are just going to win that? Well, well, perhaps it just doesn't, you know, and, and I'll hold my hands up here when I was going through what we were going to talk about this week and next weekend. It, it, it wasn't on my agenda. It's it's maybe is that where we are now? Um, or does it depend on what horses are contesting it? Do we need a star to go forward and, 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 and be in it for it to for it to really slam down on our agenda? I suppose if you have you, you will follow a horse. So if you had a, an Epsom Derby winner or, a, you know, if you had a, a Camelot trying to bring off a Triple Crown, of course, you're going to be following it. Um, but it, it, it looks this year, New London and Secret State for Godolphin, you've Elder Alderov, Roger Varian. I know Paddy Toomey is crying out for rain if he's going to send French claim there. That's the kind of race that it is. Is Huyi Mal going to run after his impressive win last week? I think that's the plan. Yeah, so there it, it, it it's it's probably getting overshadowed by our Champions Weekend, and if I'm honest, I'm you know probably culprit of that myself. Yeah, yeah, I think we're all part of that shadow. Um, there we are. They they the both of those big races, our Champion Stakes and and the the Ledger Fall on the same day. Um, okay, this weekend, let's start uh, at home for me um, with the UK and the Betfair Sprint Cup. Seventeen declared open race. Have you got the winner? Have I got the winner? Uh, I don't think it's a brilliant race. I don't think our sprinters this year are batash worthy or we don't have Highfield Princess and we know what Ascot, the Aussies put us in our place. So Naval Crown probably deserves to be favoured, albeit at the moment Minzal's top of the market. You've got Art Power, Kinross, Emiratiana, Dubawi legend turning around quickly, uh, making up a trifecta of... Um, of a contingent from Hugo Palmer, who was on the pod a little bit earlier this week with Flaming Rib and Brad the Brief. Castle Star has been declared. It's uh, It's got a big feel, 17 runners. I never really get that excited about the sprint division, but I do think Naval Crown deserves to be top of the market. Yeah, and I think one, one benefit, if you like, of there not being a, a standout sprinting star is it, it, it's a competitive race. It's, it's certainly interesting to me from a from a betting perspective, if, if, um, if nothing else. And yeah, rather, rather have a, a big competitive field, perhaps lacking a star than a well than a, a an uncompetitive one lacking a star. Anyway, um, what yeah, about do, you, do we want? Yeah, I know we we obviously want a competitive racing, but sometimes you you do kind of crave a star and sprinting. Oh, yeah. it, it it often can give us a, a big one. It just doesn't have it maybe quite at the moment. Maybe the filly, I feel princess deserves something like that kind of a title. I think it's interesting for Sean Levy and Go Bears Go. We don't have the confirmation that Kiedra Option and Ross Ryan have parted company. So it's a big leg up for uh, Go Bears Go because he's a good horse and he's definitely no back number here. So it'd be interesting to see how that tra- transpires in the future. You just segued in the ammo racing Ross Ryan news um, that I'd forgotten to mention. Just that, that's why you're different gear, Jane. Superb. But we, team, we, tactics. team tactics. Yeah, exactly. Right, the Prix de Moulin then. What's getting you excited about that race on Sunday in Longchamp? Uh, well, you have to be, you have to come back to the fact that so far this year, there's been 15 Group 1s run in France. I know the French will absolutely loathe me for bringing this up again, but they've still only won three of their own races. So Vedeni, Onesto and Mongoustine are the three that have defended their titles at home 
in those 15 group ones. So if they're to add a fourth, it's going to be with either Mongustine, uh, the Revenant, the goalie style is in there, Texas, but they're going to have to be, they're going to have to be good now if they're going to be Krebus. Uh, is uh, obviously coming off the back of a disappointing display last time where he travelled really well in France and he just didn't quite get home for whatever reason. He he put in a rather tame effort. So hopefully we'll see a better display from him. Last year's second order of Australia, he was no match for Baid last year, but he doesn't have to meet Baid this time. Uh, Lucille, obviously a great chance for uh, Richard Hannan and al Chikab, but I think Dream Loper, if she came back to something like what we saw from her at the very start of the year, we know she likes France. We know she handles these type of conditions. And I think she's probably interesting for Ed Walker. And the not so small matter of, last year's ARC winner who was second in the King George lining up in the Grosser Priest von Baden the group one over a mile and a half at, at, at Baden-Baden with Frankie de Tori on board Jane. Yes uh, we mentioned this at the beginning of the week it's it's an intriguing affair because you've got the three-year-old taking on um, the star the basically the national hero into Porto Tasso so there's only five declared three of them are by Adler Flug so there's a little bit of uh, German pride going on there as my dogs erupt into to bark here. Um, Do you know, I often wonder whether you can identify a dog by the bark. So I don't know what dogs you have, but I am going to go with um, wire-haired Dachshund. All you have to say is mongrel and you cover all <laughs> of our dogs. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Marco, I think... Is very very interesting. Obviously, the the German Derby. He he's got a big he's got a big reputation. Alter Adler has plenty to find if he's going to turn the Hamburg form around from July when he met De Quarto Tasso and finished fifth. Ardican and uh, Mondesino, but De Quarto Tasso is the star. And if he's to make an impact in the arc, himself and uh, San Marco could be could be the head to head. Is there anything else, Jane, you would like to cover or mention before you send us away with a winning tip? Uh, we probably should mention the. I was reading uh, Conor O'Neill's. Uh, I suppose he was a little bit disheartened to read the dates for Aintree. Mm, yes, next yeah. year Aintree is, yeah. is later, which is going to impinge on on the the date for Punchestown, and 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 as he put it, he's concerned that fewer, certainly British challengers, will 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 head over because Paul Nichols, you know, he did it with Clanders Oboe the last couple of years, hasn't he? Gone Aintree and then to Punchestown. He likes that gap swirls Cheltenham. W- will it have an impact, do you think? Oh, well, obviously, of course, it's going to have an impact. And you have to ask the reason why did Aintree and Sandown move uh, a little bit later on? And it's it's probably to avoid Easter. So Easter in 2023 is falling on the 9th. Um, so we have Fairy House here on the 8th to the 10th and the Grand National then itself on the Saturday is going to fall on the 15th which is 10 days pre-Punchestown means Sandown is actually going to clash uh, with one day of Punchestown as well so um, this year we had 21 British Raiders come to Punchestown which yielded three winners but we had stars like as you say Clandesabo, Paisley Park, Epitant they're the type of crowd pleasers and that people you know get people through the turnstiles the last clash of the season if they were a little bit unlucky at or the, Dub- the Dublin Racing Festival, or when they met at Cheltenham, you kind of have that rematch where you really get to see who's a top dog and, and who would be crowned the champion of that season. So it's uh, it's definitely a concern, but it's not something that hasn't happened before. And I can see why it happened because of Easter. So sometimes dates are hard to negotiate. And look, we didn't attract hundreds of runners this year. If we get another couple of quality horses next year, the prize money is there. 
the prestige is there and hopefully they'll come. And now you can send us away with a tip, please, Jane. Well, hopefully in the opener at Down Royal, Billy Lee can get another winner on the board as he maintains a very slender lead over Colin Keane in the championship race over here on Ocean Jewel for Willie McCreary. Caught my eye, win sixth on debut at the Curra. Third is one since Ocean Jewel, hopefully to get us off to a winner at Down Royal. Jane, lovely stuff. Thanks ever so much indeed. Thanks again to everyone that's tuned in this week, particularly the last couple of days when I've been on duty. Nick will be back for you from Monday and Charlotte will be with you for the Saturday edition tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.